What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. Don't worry, it's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Valenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music product space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. I'm your host, Natalie Morrison, back and ready for another episode. Today's conversation, I get to sit down with Stacey Swanson, who has done so many incredible things in this industry. She's currently the senior project manager at Practicing Musician. She's the editor-in-chief at Intune Partners. She spent a number of years at Music and Arts, and she is an incredible advocate for music education. And we talk about how her philosophy around the importance of music education really carried throughout her entire career so far. So with that said, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining Swim Masters. So excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I can't wait to have a conversation with you today. Me too. I think I would like to start and talk about your career journey, how you ended up in the music industry, and where you are now, because we'll touch on that in more detail later on. It's been an interesting journey, and I ended up in the music industry a bit by happenstance. But at the end of the day, I had spent 13, nearly 13 years uh, with music and arts and have recently kind of parted a ways onto the next big adventure. And now I am the editor-in-chief for Intune Partners, which encompasses Intune Magazine, Music Alive, and ASCAP Digital. And I write for all three of those magazines. Um, And I'm also the senior project manager for Practicing Musician, which is new. Um, It's a new and upcoming company, and it's an online music learning platform that is free to any K through 12 music educator. I also work on the nonprofit side too, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm on. I'm also on the board of directors for Give a Note Foundation, where I'm also the treasurer of the board, and that's been a, a really, really great experience for me so far. And in addition to all of that, I'm also the uh, admin for a couple of Facebook groups. Uh, one of them being. Uh, music educators creating online learning. I love that group. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad that you're a part of it. Um, you know, we are close. We're very, very close to cresting 48,000 members. Wow. In in that group, and it's a it is such a diverse group. It's international. Uh, we have um, educators joining the group from all over the world, and it's just a huge melting pot of experiences and questions. And it's been great observing how people work together, regardless of whether they're a part of the industry or they're in the classroom or they're in another country, which has been incredible. And then the other uh, group that I am uh, an admin for and help to lead is called Music Ed Advocates 
uh, parents, educators, and industry. Oh, and so if, uh, if you haven't checked that one out, you check that out. Um, definitely going to. And I will <laughs> link all of the groups in the description. So if anyone's listening, oh, cool. oh, they can that's great. check it out. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Um, I, I try to share as much as I can find. Um, and I know that, you know, we have so many powerful uh, music advocates out there. And, you know, I wanted to provide or help provide a platform um, to share some of the work that they're working on. You know, and then as if I didn't have all of that to do, I'm also trying to build my own personal <laughs> brand and my own website, do my own blog. And I have a couple of projects that I, you know, I don't really quite want to disclose just yet because it's just in the stages of infancy. And yeah, I, I don't know, maybe you'll have to just invite me back to talk about those. In, I guess in the so. Future. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, awesome, you know, though. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the really funny part about all of this that's going on in my career and in my life, uh, the funny part is that I was actually trying to take a step back <laughs> and focus uh, more on my family during the pandemic. And it seems the universe has conspired against me um, and has seemingly, seemingly given me more, more to do and more to work on. But I gladly take on that work. That's awesome. I feel like you and I are very similar and we like to have our hands in many baskets. Yes. <laughs> it keeps things entertaining and interesting at all times. <laughs> and you're always learning. If, always if I learning. Only, if, if I was only focused on one part of, of, of something, then I, I kind of feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you on that one. And especially working, I guess, in all of the advocacy work that you're doing, and we'll kind of touch on this later. Um, what a great time to be focused on that with just everything going on with the pandemic and how that's affecting education in general. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. So I did a little digging. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and I saw on your LinkedIn page, oh, it's just LinkedIn, that you went to school for music education and then you taught for a bit and then ended up at music and arts. Can you talk about your decision leaving teaching and what drew you to the retail world? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. It, it's actually a little bit of an interesting tale, so I hope you're ready for this. So the short answer, oh, I'm <laughs> the short answer is that I actually had absolutely no intention of working in the retail music industry at all. <laughs> um, I initially left teaching to go and pursue my master's degree in music education at the University of Miami. Go Canes. Um, I love that school. It was an amazing experience. During my time there, I was on this full ride graduate assistantship, had the opportunity to teach. I was a TA for marching band. It was just this ultimate experience. I, I never played and performed more in my life on my instrument. It was just fantastic. What is your instrument? I, I actually play the bassoon. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, bassoon, not not many folks play that. And so when you go to a um, little bit of a smaller school, and yes, University of Miami is not a very large school, um, you you tend to play in all of the ensembles, but I wouldn't yeah. have I wouldn't have traded in that experience um, for, for anything. That's awesome. And so, you know, at, you know, as I was going along with that, I was offered an opportunity to continue my studies there and pursue my PhD, you know, also a, you know, kind of a full ride scholarship opportunity. And believe it or not, I turned it down. Wow. <laughs> I, um, I turned down a full ride PhD program and there were a number of reasons for that, but, um, but here's really the core reason as it goes kind of ties back into music education in my career. After only having taught for, you know, a couple of years in the public school system, I felt like I needed more experience in that arena before kind of leading the charge and teaching the next generation of teachers how to teach and run their classrooms. So I ended up, you know, turning that down and kind of left in pursuit to get back into the classroom. Unfortunately, upon moving back home to my home state of uh, Georgia, I'm actually from Georgia. I'm now currently living in uh, Virginia. But 
at that time, moving back to my home state, I had difficulty even landing an interview. Um, That was in 2006. um, And and during that time, there had been some music program cuts in in that area. And so the jobs were a little few and far between. And if you had a job, you were kind of sticking where you were at that time. Eventually, I did land an interview, though, and the principal was actually a little forthcoming (laughs) at that time. And she said that she could hire someone with less experience and and pay them less money since I now had this master's degree. So it's it's kind of fair to say that I did not get that job. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I know. And it's something that's probably also a component about myself that a lot of people in the industry don't know is that a large bulk of my personal professional teaching experience is actually in private teaching. So since I was having a hard time getting back into the classroom and doing what I most wanted to do and loved, I decided to get back into private teaching and build up my studio. And one day I was driving down the street in Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where I lived at the time. And I saw this music store and I don't know what compelled me to turn into this shopping center, but I did. And I walked in and I said, you know, do you have any openings for a music teacher, you know, to do some private teaching? And the manager of the store said, oh, my gosh, yeah, we're always looking for music teachers. What what instrument do you teach? And, you know, I proudly said, well, I teach the bassoon. (laughs) And he was like, well, we aren't exactly looking for that kind of teacher, (laughs) but we do have a full time job opening to work in the store. Is that something that you would be interested in? And I 100 percent said no. I said, no, no, I'm not interested in, in working in a music store. I, I, I want to be a private teacher. And so long story short, this gentleman just kept talking to me <laughs> in the store and somehow convinced me to come in the next day. And I ended up going in the next day. I had an uh, interview with him and I had an interview with his boss who happened to be in the Uh, in town and didn't really think a whole lot of it. And then the next day I got a call saying, you know, Hey, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you work in the store. And I still turned it down. (laughs) I still turned it down. Um, And it took a, a few more phone calls where I finally said, okay, I will work in the music store. And it happened to be a music and arts. Uh, location. And looking back, I'm so glad that they convinced me to do that because it turns out that I was really, really great at sales. So, and in my first year, I actually ended up as one of the top three salespeople in the entire company. And in the following year, uh, I was, you know, kind of promoted in a way to be the, to be a store manager. And in that year, the store that I managed was number one in gross sales. And it was, you know, that type of experience that, uh, that record track record of success that kind of took me to music and arts at the corporate level. That's awesome. Yeah. Which, um, which in, during that, uh, that tenure, I, I kind of wore a lot of hats <laughs> uh, with music and arts. So let's talk about that. As you said, you wore a lot of hats at Music and Arts. What were those jobs and what did you learn from your time there? Where do I begin? Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> you know, as I said before, I started out, you know, just working as a salesperson on the sales floor of a music store. And, you know, as a salesperson, you you know, are the, the expectation is that you help customers that come into the store, um, you help sell products that are within your store or services that you offer within your store to those customers. And I absolutely loved being on the sales floor because every customer that came in to the music store was an opportunity to engage a family with music. And at least for the music and arts brand, that customer tends to be more of a beginner or intermediate learner or a family that's new to music. And because I, 
you know, kind of hold this deep passion towards music education. And because of my background in teaching, I was able to easily engage with families because I kind of viewed myself as their personal consultant instead of a salesperson. That's awesome. Yeah, I was absolutely helping them, you know, in their music journey. And I absolutely love that time. Um, and then when I got to become a store manager um, for music and arts, it was the same thing, but I got to spread that passion and that knowledge to my employees, my team of uh, part-time and full-time employees to be just as excited about every customer that would come into the door and help them in their musical journey. I love that. I think that's such a unique way to look at a sales position, especially in music and especially for the beginners and the families. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really cool. I really love that. Yeah. I think one, one thing that you know, because we we're we're both experienced musicians, and a lot of people in the industry are experienced musicians. But I think one thing that a lot of people, once you get really, really experienced in music or in your music career, we forget that very beginning moment or those beginning moments of how someone comes into music making. And oh, yeah. it can be as impactful as, you know, that as a student decides or their teacher tells them what instrument they're going to play and they come into the music store and you open that case for the first time. Mm. And that look, that look on a child's face is always the same and you'll never forget it. It's just this, this innate excitement of seeing that bright, shiny instrument. Like that's what makes retail work worth it is to see just the excitement, whether it's they're opening their case for the first time or they're taking their first music lesson or, you know, they're, they're actually kind of making that commitment and they're buying a professional instrument or, you know, DJ lessons or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's really inspiring to see music students progressing and seeing their, and seeing their family grow with it too. Oh yeah. Now, during that time, I was also serving as the, um, at, at Music and Arts, we would call this person an educational representative or a school services representative, but mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the person or the individual that actually goes into the schools and, you know, has good conversations with the band and orchestra teachers um, or general music teachers about their program, assess their needs you know, help them to get, uh, you know, products or supplies that they need for their classroom. I also served in that role too. So I wasn't, you know, just working with, you know, musical families per se. I was also working with the, the teachers that were teaching them as well. And so that was kind of my experience kind of being on the sales floor. Um, and I, you know, again, that was met with, you know, a surprising success because I, I didn't have a background in sales. You know, I was just kind of speaking my truth and being a teacher and trying to teach as many people as possible <laughs> as they were coming in the door. Um, but I, I suppose it, I suppose it worked at the time. Um, and then that's when the move happened. So about uh, 10 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, um, there was this identified need to have someone kind of be the voice for the lesson program for music and arts. And it was a brand new position there, you know, there hadn't been a, a centralized person that was doing nothing but, um, but uh, private, private lessons supervision kind of at the corporate level. And, you know, that those initial people that interviewed me called me back <laughs> and said, you know, you should really consider <laughs> applying for that. And, and I did. And kind of on this leap of faith, I, I went through this interview. There really wasn't that much of a, a job description <laughs> per se. It was just, you're going to be kind of overseeing and coordinating the lesson program for all of the music and art stores. And, and, you know, lucky for me, I, you know, I was uh, offered, that position and kind of on this leap of faith and moving by myself, I moved uh, to, I moved to Maryland <laughs> and uh, ended up, wow. um, 
you know, kind of beginning that role and what that looks like today. Um, so after roughly four years of building that role and uh, building the lesson program at Music and Arts and seeing, uh, you know, quite a bit of growth, um, you know, the number of students uh, grew grew uh, fairly significantly uh, during that period of time because uh, we were placing some focus on it. Um, I ended up kind of, again, taking a step back. I had, you know, recently uh, had a, a baby. I say recently because that's now seven years ago. <laughs> but I, had, you know, but I have, um, I had my first and only child and, you know, again, decided that I, you know, I wanted to focus on family and kind of take a step back. And so I stepped away from that lesson, you know, kind of the overseer of the lesson program and, you know, took a little bit of time off. Um, again, kind of like, you know, history has repeated itself in, uh, in my present, but, um, but that, that didn't last for long. So I uh, had gotten a a call back for music and arts say, Hey, would you be interested in this part-time opportunity? And, uh, and I ended up accepting that. So I worked uh, part-time for their uh, marketing team, uh, editing copy, you know, helping them with, uh, you know, making sure that the, the copy was reflective of something that actually, you know, kind of made sense in, in music since I was a music teacher and, um, mm-hmm. and then I also helped with, and this is where it, it starts getting to be like, yeah, you did what? <laughs> um, so I worked in the business process management, uh, department and that team, um, is actually the, the team that does like website testing, or if there's an enhancement to, you know, the, you know, one of the, the programs that the, the company would use or, um, you know, I was often kind of set free to like go within all of these programs and do this wide net testing to see if there was anything that wasn't working as expected. And I would go back and then report and say, you know, this component of this transaction didn't, did not work as expected. Wow. And so, I, yeah. <laughs> you so literally went, <laughs> like, let's do this. I went and then this. <laughs> I, I wasn't kidding when I said I wore, a, I've worn a lot of hats. Yeah, um, wow. But, you know, so there's a lot of benefits to that. I'll go, I'll go into that in a second, you know. And so, you know, then I was kind of on this, like, complete opposite side of, you know, the music retail business. And it was all of this behind the scenes uh, work, which was fascinating to me because I'm not a detail oriented person, but I learned to kind of have this keen eye for everything that was going on kind of behind the scenes uh, with, with the company. And so I, I did that for, um, I, oh my gosh, I don't even remember, probably, you know, two years, uh, I was behind the scenes. The cool thing about being behind the scenes is everything that you're doing behind the scenes actually helps to facilitate sales. And so it, again, kind mm-hmm. of fulfilled this, like, inner passion of, like, the the things that I'm working on, you know, if I'm finding that a transaction isn't working properly, then that means that a family is having a negative experience and they may not either buy that product or pursue renting an instrument or, you know, like you can, you can kind of go on and on with that, but that inner working of the technical side of the customer experience actually helps the salesperson to do their job. And that part I found, I found fascinating. So all of that happened, and then there's actually more. <laughs> oh my God! <gosh. laughs> <laughs> there, there's more. And so, um, back in this would have been 2016. I was kind of in this little period of time where I would, I, it was again, it was probably maybe at the most six months where I wasn't doing the business process management. I was kind of back into, you know, 
you know, being at home and, and all of that. And then one day I get this call um, from, at that time, the, the former vice president of sales. And he called me and he said, you know, you have a lot of experience. Would you be interested in coming back full time and helping out with our sales support team um, during what would have been a, a, it was a very difficult transition from kind of one internal management system to another. And again, this all sounds so technical, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, but I'd had that experience before and I, I kind of had, you know, I was on this hiatus uh, with music and arts just temporarily. Anyway, he called me and said, would you, if, if you can come back full time, it was like a, can you start tomorrow kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of ask. And so oh my I gosh. kind of taking that leap. Um, my husband and I had seven days to figure out daycare, to figure out like our lives, <laughs> how we were going to do it. Wow. And then I was back in, uh, you know, full time helping out uh, with sales support kind of during this, um, what it was a very difficult transition from one system to another. Um, and that lasted for one month, <laughs> uh, oh. uh, because the following <laughs> month, uh, uh, I was asked to change, uh, change roles again, um, and become the manager of affiliate operations. And so affiliate operations, uh, a lot of times when we hear the word affiliate, we think of a digital marketing affiliate, right. like, a, like an influencer, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to put your logo on my blog. Um, but this type of affiliate is different. And so this is a rental affiliate business. Um, so a rental affiliate, um, probably the easiest way to describe it is, let's say I own a small business. I own a small music business and I have one location and I decide that I want to help my community by renting instruments, but I don't necessarily have the capital or the investment to have a lot of instruments in my own inventory. Right. right. So what you can, so what you can do in that situation is you can become an affiliate with a larger provider. Music and arts happens to be one of those providers. There are several other uh, providers out there. And, um, you know, so when you become a rental affiliate, um, the, the rental provider will give you the fleet of instruments, you rent the instruments, and um, essentially you receive a, a commission for every rental payment that's collected. Interesting. And so that is kind of what a rental affiliate is. And so within a month of me returning back to work full time, I was, I was now managing <laughs> all of the, uh, all of the operations side behind it. And that was probably one of the biggest growing experiences of my entire career was during, during that time, because one, I was interfacing directly with business owners. And so this was a different level of customer and a different, you know, softer touch than other sides of that business. And so I learned during the two years that I did uh, operate, or sorry, affiliate operations management that I learned probably the, it was my ultimate learning in customer service and servant leadership. Because when somebody calls you and they're a business owner and they're having, you know, you know, I maybe some sort of technical issue or maybe they're having a, an issue with a, a customer's account or, you know, kind of something along those lines, they need your help. And it's my job and my team's job. I did have a team. Uh, that reported directly to me during that time. And it was our job to, you know, help make that experience not just great for that individual, you know, rental customer that there was a particular issue with, but it was also helping that business owner with that customer too. So it was a, a very, very different level 
of customer service. And I'm grateful for that experience. Now, during that period of time, I also had the opportunity to work in, um, in, I guess what we would call acquisitions. Um, you know, during that period of time, uh, there was kind of a flurry of, um, you know, music businesses that were looking to become a part of the music and arts family. And so I was a part of that team and a couple of different uh, arenas uh, to where I was helping that business owner in some context, whether it's their rental business or whether it's their, um, their lesson program, because that's the next step right? (laughs) Uh, That's the next hat is, and the final hat, Um, it is to be the liaison for that person to help them convert whatever that component of their, of the business that I was responsible for at the time. And there were a couple of arenas that I was responsible for over the years. But um, that was also a great learning experience for me. um, Because when a music store kind of takes the leap and they decide that they want to become a part of the music and arts family. That is kind of a passing of the torch from, you know, from a family business or this Mm -hmm. business owner to trusting their business with somebody else. And it gave me a lot of, um, good experience in having that type of uh, conversation and communicating and being extremely soft in tone and really helping that person and that community have a great first experience with music and arts, which then led me to the final, like the final hat, which was being a lesson. Again, I was back into lessons as uh, one of the lesson uh, managers. It was a regional position. So I oversaw half of the country, which at that point would have been, you know, well over 100 locations and their lesson programs. Wow. At, At the time I was, you know, working on creating the sales training uh, for, you know, the many, the thousands of employees that are actually talking about uh, the benefits of, uh, of private lessons in the stores. Uh, but I was also helping kind of on the back end and, you know, working with marketing to creating good promotions uh, for lessons and, um, you know, basically working with many different departments to help make these large scale ideas come to life. So that has been, that was my journey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it's so interesting after hearing everything that you did with music and arts, it, it basically came full circle. It did. It did. Um, like you went on so many journeys, but the passion and everything that you loved was all about teaching and music education and and being that person to help kids fall in love with music and that's incredible. Yeah. No matter what position you had, that was still the passion. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 actually really interesting that you say that because I was kind of contemplating like um like you made me think when you were you kind of like sent a couple of ideas and I got to thinking about it a lot today and you know, looking back on it, there were definitely some key takeaways that I took from my experience, um, very long experience with um, with music and arts. And I think the first one, and probably the most important one, if anybody's listening out there that's considering <laughs> a, a career in retail, or if you're a music teacher that is is kind of ready to make the leap and to try something different, 100% my skills and experiences as a teacher fit into this realm. And because I had that background, I, like I said before, I was by no means ever a salesperson. I never considered myself a salesperson. I didn't think so, at, at least. I was helping families make important decisions 
at different stages of their students' musical journey. Mm. And that to me yes. was par- <laughs> was paramount and, and extremely important. And it didn't matter what I did. It all tied back to the customer experience, that family, that individual child. And I think the, you know, even though I'm not a quote unquote teacher in this classical, in a classical sense now, you'd better believe that I was and am still absolutely teaching this love of music every day. And I still do. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, But I absolutely learned that that one constant within the music retail industry, that helped me to transition to all of these different roles and to learn all of these different skills. Um, So the other, yeah. So another thing that I learned was that I had a myriad of skills to offer to different parts, to different parts of the business outside of being in sales. And, and all of those roles, kind of like I said before, all of those roles facilitate making music, whether it's in the back end of making, making, you know, transactional sales, a possibility or working with a small business owner to become an affiliate so that that business can now create more music makers you know, all of it kind of ties together. So there's a lot of career options out there for anybody that's, you know, looking to to try something different. It's absolutely out there for you. Um, yeah. And you're shining such a cool, unique lens into the retail world that I don't think a lot of people would, and that's just my opinion, um, <laughs> but maybe not a lot of people would necessarily think like, oh, that's a... I just love the way that you described how you took on that sales role of working in the retail store. I think that's just really unique and different. And I hope it shines a light to other people that this is this is what you're doing, essentially. Yeah, it's 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 really important work. And if we didn't have, you know, avenues of of music retail, whether it's a brick and mortar, whether it's a, a you know, your local your, your local friendly music store, you know, whether it's, um, I mean, a music website, you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, just, uh, on, on the, the interwebs, if you will, like all of it's leading back towards this central cause of creating as many musicians as possible. Um, I think one of the larger, uh, lessons that I learned, um, during that time, is patience. Right. I learned a lot of patience, um, patience working with other businesses, working with people, working with other departments, working with parents that have no experience with music. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting one, um, that I'm kind of personally impassioned to explore more. <laughs> um, but being but being in sales, you know, having that experience and working with thousands and thousands of customers, you know, patience goes back to the notion that there's always going to be something difficult that you have to work through, whether it's a, uh, you know, a complaint or a bad experience. And I, I think it's human nature to take that frustration out on the person that is trying to help you. <laughs> Right. Um, And so, but once I adopted the mindset of patience and this is not about me, then I very rarely would become like offended or defensive, you know, in any of those types of situations. I, it was always kind of just this water off a duck's back and it's, it's not about you. They need help. (laughs) And, and, and you are the person that's going to, going to help them. Um, And then I think the, you know, the final big, and this is probably more of a personal professional learning uh, during my experience there is that I actually learned what my true strengths were. And my true strengths is to connect people together and to build relationships Mm. as well as to share my enthusiasm and be excited and talk about that passion with other people. 
And other people in that sense can be someone that I was working with in, within the building from a different department. It could be a parent. It could be um, a business owner. It could be my boss. You know, it, it, I learned that if I shared my enthusiasm, that enthusiasm connected people together and that helped me to build and forge positive relationships with a lot of people. I love that. <laughs> I kind of want to turn more into the music education advocacy because that's such a passion for you. Um, what, and I would just love to hear a little bit about what your hopes are for music education in the future. What is your vision? Where do you want to see music education? Yeah, that's a, it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big question. Um, okay. I'm going to have to take a deep breath on that one. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I've kind of taken this turn, you know, personally and professionally to kind of take this strict focus and this very, very like laser focused view on music advocacy. And, you know, I suppose one could think, well, well, Stacy, you're really holding all these different positions right now. You know, how's all that related to music advocacy, <laughs> you know, but I, I tend to always think of things in its most simple form. So to me, advocacy at its very core, and this is my opinion, is the simple act of sharing something you're passionate about with other to others. And if you think about it that way, anyone and everyone affected by music, whether you're an advocate or a parent of a music learner or a products manufacturer, or you're a performing artist, or you're in the event industry, we should all feel this sense of passion for making sure that the next generation has the ability to receive a musical education in their school. We should all yes. feel that. And yeah. yes. <laughs> like we should feel this, uh, you know, this deep in our belly, the fire in our belly to talk about how music has affected us to as many people as possible. Now for me in my situation, working with, um, a company like uh, Intune Partners with the three magazines um, that I'm going to be writing for, you know, that provides an outlet to give great content to millions of students in K through 12 yeah. education. So that can help keep them engaged and to help keep them interested in music. To me, that is a component of advocacy work is just this simple act of keeping students interested by teaching them something new. Now, another, you know, in, in my, in my, one of my other roles, you know, being involved with a company that's providing free curriculum content, like practicing musician, that kind of speaks to me in terms of equity in music, which is a pretty large yeah. issue you know, we still have states, we still have schools, school programs that don't offer music. Um, I think the last uh, statistic that I saw was approximately 5 million students don't have access to music education in their schools no. right now. <laughs> it's, it's a staggering statistic. And yeah. if, and if we don't, you know, provide as much as we can, to those school programs, you know, in a way that a company like Practicing Musician could, where it's free content, um, by providing that service free, I am a part of ensuring that more children find that passion for music that I do because it's because it's free and it can it can kind of overcome any type of hurdle at the school level of, well, we don't have a budget. Okay. Well, here's, here's a part that doesn't require budget at all. Um, you know, and so that to me is advocacy because I'm working towards a cause that helps address the issue of equity in music. And I'm really excited to be a part of that. And then on the flip side, you know, participating you know, having the honor of participating on a board of directors is my way 
is my way of being an advocate and giving back and helping to raise funds that go back directly into school programs that need it most. And so if you kind of add all of that together, I'm in this position of having the opportunity to, to be an advocate to thousands of educators and millions of music learners. And all of that, like anything that you do, can become advocate work. I don't have to be a designated music advocate and I don't have to do that full time, but the work that I do helps millions of people because I'm because I chose to do the work. And I think if more people adopted that mindset within the industry what I'm doing, whether whether I'm making an instrument or repairing the instrument, like everything that I'm doing is is helping that one student to become successful. And if that one student becomes successful, then the likelihood of more students becoming successful is apparent. Wow. So (laughs) I am so, my heart is so full right now. I just, I, I love it. You're, you're so inspiring and so passionate about it and your mindset around the work that you do and the purpose behind the work that you do. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I think the next, the next level, and this is a part that I'm still working out in my mind. So hear me out. Okay. So in, in the future, I kind of want to hope to add to other parts of the industry, you know, private teachers, performers, you know, parents, we are, you know, as well as I do that the music, music education, music performance, the music industry, and I will put education in the industry because it has to start somewhere, right? Absolutely. (laughs) That the ecosystem of the music industry is, is intricate and extremely interconnected. And if there is a component of the industry that needs our help, then regardless of where you fit or where you live within that ecosystem, we, we can all rush to help that one part because if we help that one part, I'll use, you know, the events industry right now is, is having a really, really tough time because we're not having musical performances, right? We're not having concerts. Right. We can all rush to help the events industry in their advocacy work because that, in the end, completes the ecosystem for the industry. If, you know, right now, a lot of uh, music educators, you know, down in schools, I I know this because I'm the admin of this very large educator group, you know, we're we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, uh, burnout. I've, I have never been an observer of teachers, you know, including my, my daughter's own second grade teacher working so hard to keep students engaged during this time. And, you know, working, you know, 12, 14 hour days just to make sure that the the kids feel seen and known and heard. And I I absolutely want to rush in there and do everything that I can to help make it easier for them. And I think the group that you started and that you're an admin of, it's it's helping so many educators out there feel that they have a community that they can rely on and learn together and grow together and mm-hmm. we they need it right now my i'm helping my mom with her teaching and trying to make sure that she feels comfortable and is on the path and i feel like i'm learning with her and it's like Well, we're definitely all learning together. And one of the things that I actually really like about the group is that there are, you know, it's not just teachers that are, that are within that group. You know, that there's, you know, uh, industry, there's really cool products that are coming out right now um, that, that can help with some of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's cool to kind of be the, one of the orchestrators of, bringing all of that together, because that kind of all goes back to that ecosystem 
right? right. If a teacher doesn't know that there is something out there that could help, um, that could help make their days a little bit easier, you know, if, if they don't know about it, they're not going to use it. And we're just going to continue to kind of have this, you know, cyclical, you know, burnout, uh, week after week after week. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a, a part of that and to provide, you know, some sort of community for people to come together and talk about what they're going through and to also share, um, you know, best practices and, and products that can, that can help. So I'm, I'm happy to, happy to help with that. I didn't even include that as advocacy work, but that is too. Well, it is. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, part of, part of my job at Diderio is I've been helping with, helping with the education strategy and how Diderio can be a resource for educators and mm-hmm. just letting the educators that we work with and future educators and anyone out there who needs a resource that we're here for you. We, mm-hmm. we can provide you with videos and re- just anything that you need. Like we want to be that resource for them as well. So I think we're all coming together in ways that we just never imagined we would be coming together. Yeah. Um, I mean that, that whole saying of we're all in this together, it's, (laughs) it, it, it is actually true. It's not just a tagline because, you know, again, if you kind of go back to the infrastructure and the ecosystem of the music industry, we do rely on one another. We rely on teachers having, you know, music programs in their schools so that we can, you know, grow them, you know, grow them to become eventual performers and, you know, working in uh, different segments of, you know, of our industry that we're all so passionate about. And so if, if one area of it is, is struggling, then, you know, we should all be rushing to help that one part so that we can kind of maintain that, um, that balance. Yeah. Definitely. So to wrap up, I would love to see if you had any advice for women in the industry who might be trying to find their place or are interested in following specific passions that they might have and not know how to act on them. <laughs> well, I I will start off by saying it took me it 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 took me a while <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know to get to that point, but you know, I, I have thought about that and I've had some time, you know, to reflect upon my experiences and, you know, my, my personal roller coaster ride in the, in the music industry. But, but I think ultimately, you know, especially as a woman in, in this industry, stay true to who you are and, and you are a woman. I choose to lead, uh, lead like a woman and I'm not, I'm not interested in in changing. I'm just going to be myself. And so be be yourself, be true to who you are and don't don't waver from that. I think secondly, and this is a bit of a, you know, just a aside that if you've never taken, you know, a personality test before, <laughs> like a um like the strengths finder, I don't know if you've ever um had the opportunity to take that. I would I would make the investment and and do it. It's it's actually not that much that much money. But are you talking you, about like the the Myers the the INFJ personality? That chat? that's one. That's one. Yeah. Um, There's also the Enneagram. I think I butchered that name. The Enneagram test or something. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a variety, and they all yeah. kind of give you different insights. But um, you know, Strengths Finder is another. An, another example, um, that one's actually a really good one because it, it kind of, it's, it's kind of these series of questions that you have to rapid fire answer. And it's basically going off of your gut instinct of what the answer is. And then based off of that, they kind of come up with an assessment of what your natural skills are based upon how you answered that question. And so if you, you know, if you mm-hmm. haven't done any of those types of activities, um, I would consider making the investment to do it because you gain this deeper or enlightened insight on what you are naturally good at and what your natural strengths are. And then knowing that and having that, 
having that knowledge about yourself, then you can make career or life or, you know, strategic choices, you know, based upon what you know you're, that you're good at. Um, and so if you kind of lead your path right. in that way and you start gearing towards opportunities that are more akin to what your natural talents are, then you're going to find more immediate success and less frustration. And so, you know, I have to, I have to brag for a second, but if you have taken that strengths finders test, I'm just going to share my top five. Um, so these are my top five skills and they're just, they're just single words. Um, so it's strategic activator, woo communication and connectedness. (laughs) And so in a nutshell, kind of that describes you perfectly <laughs> just from this entire interview. Yeah, yeah. And so like kind of what that means in a nutshell is that my skills lean toward using my voice, talking, words, getting people excited, informed, and having the ability to bring people together in a purpose and a mission, you know, so kind of like fired up, ready to go, like, Mm. let's go. Um, You know, so I'm, I made that choice to kind of pursue things that go towards this, this natural skill set. And so we'll see where this journey takes, uh, takes me. Um, I think the, the third piece of advice, and I only have four, so we're almost there. Um, the third <laughs> is really more of <clears throat> a, a mantra uh, from, you know, a website that I follow called Lead From Within, um, and that's a global leadership mm-hmm. and consulting firm. And it's, and it kind of describes that leaders with influence give when they do not have to. They care for others, grow continuously, live authentically, empower other people, manage hardship, and serve with humility. And so if you yes. if you get there, you're doing great. You're doing great. And a lot of that mentality are natural skill sets for women. And so if you just embrace who you are, then you will be a leader with influence. And I think lastly, as far as career advice, um, there's this, uh, you know, woman that I like to follow on Twitter and her name is Erica Williams Simon. Um, And she, she has more of a background in uh, being involved with politics at a very, at a very young age. But right now, um, she's currently the head of the Creators Lab at Snapchat, I believe. So she's in mm. Snapchat now. But she has this pinned tweet um, up at the top of her page. You got to go check it out. And it kind of best sums up the advice that I would give. And it's also held true to this wild and crazy journey that I've had <laughs> in the industry. So here it goes. <laughs> um and I'll, I'm just going to say it verbatim. The best career advice that, advice that I can give, don't ever attach yourself to a person, a place, a company, an organization, or a project. Attach yourself to a mission, a calling, or a purpose only. That's how you keep your power and your peace. So I'd say in the writer's words, and I'm going to quote, it's worked pretty well for me thus far. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Yes. That is such a great way to wrap this whole thing up. You've got this. Yes. (laughs) Everyone listening, you got this. You got this and you can be an advocate in any part of the music industry that you do. You just have to speak up and talk about it. Absolutely. Well, Stacey, I thank you so much. <laughs> your words, your wisdom, oh, this was your great. story, just absolutely incredible. And I thank you for all the work that you do for music education. It's so important. Well, thank you for everything that you're doing with, you know, you know, doing this uh, podcast, you know, featuring uh, smart women in music. Um, it is 
joining Smart Women in Music was one of the best decisions that I made because I didn't know that I had, I didn't know that there was a community of, of like-minded people out there like me. me. Um, And it's been really powerful to make female connections uh, within the industry that care as much about it as I do. Amazing. That's what we're here for. And that was the mission and the purpose and the hope is to bring women together in this industry and know that they have a support system and people to learn and grow with. Well, thank you so much again. I so appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for the invitation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Swim Masters. Don't forget to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all new things swim. We'd love it if you'd share and leave us a review. If you would like to learn more, please visit www.smartwomeninmusic.org. This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie Lamond and Natalie Morrison. See you next time.